When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Celtic stuff live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poulin. Joining me, as always, John Duke. And the offseason is not just the offseason for the Celtics. It's the offseason for everybody. The Cavaliers go down in short order, a complete sweep at the hands of the Golden State Kevin Durant-led Warriors, and uh, now they're the bad guys, John, and they were bordering on it before, but they were so fun to watch, and honestly, I don't think there would be one ounce of hate coming from me for them being on top if they hadn't done the Durant move. Because they did the Durant move, it just makes it so easy to slot them right into the bad guys of the NBA. But it, if you think about it, had they never done that, they could have won four in a row for all we cared. I bet we'd all still be behind them. But that Durant thing just put the bullseye on them. Now everybody wants to take down the uh, the New England Patriots of the NBA. Absolutely, they want to take him down. I mean, this is it, man. This is, they are now, you know, public enemy number one. I, I said this after you know, the sweep was completed there the other night. LeBron has been the guy. He's been the bad guy. He's been the guy that we've all been trying to get at. But I think at this point now, there's no question. LeBron doesn't have the horses. He's not the, the king. He's the king. He's still LeBron. He's still the best player in the, in the league right now. But his team isn't. It is not a contender. And even if, you know, he goes somewhere else, we'll, we'll, we'll reevaluate re at that point once that team's won something. But there's no way I see that this Cleveland Cavaliers team is going to be able to put him back in a place where he can contend, let alone with the Golden State Warriors, but with the Houston Rockets or the Boston Celtics of what we think that team will look like next year. LeBron, Unfortunately, I'm not saying his reign is over. He's still a great player, but the the, I, the days of his team being on top, they very well probably are. I guess it depends on where he goes, and we'll obviously get to that in a minute. But first, how do you think the Celtics would have stolen a game? I mean, even with all the injuries, I mean, I feel very good about this roster, unchanged in the off season. Would love to see Marcus Smart come back. Talked about a lot of those topics on the last show, so I don't know we need to rehash them show after show. But I think this team obviously can compete 
with Golden State if they're 100% healthy as constituted this year rolling in next. I guess I'd say they bring Baines and Smart back. I feel pretty good about it. Um, definitely competing. But this year's version with the two big injuries – one game away, obviously wilted a little bit under the pressure in game seven, game seven. Guys have been coming up big, just didn't have it in the tank or, you know, the moment overcame them. But if they had won that, gone into a serious underdog series, um, with the reigning champs, do you think they would have stolen a game or two? How far do you think they would have gone against the dubs, which are just, you know, insanely talented? It's funny that. I don't know about you, but like when I hear people say the dubs, like, <laughs> I, when I it's grow got a negative, right? It's a negative yeah. connotation. So I'm all, I'm like totally 100% on board with the dubs. You know? Okay, but, good. But all you're right. right. It's a golf term that we used in Maine growing up. We call them a dub right. or a duffer. You right. know what I mean? It's just that. Ah, right. It's you a dub around the house. You, you know, you're just kind of, uh, and the dubs are like this high flying, you know, high scoring team. No, I think the Celtics would have gotten at least a game out of that series. I think they could have gotten two games. I, I, look at the help that LeBron. We agree had. they weren't going to win that series. Though. They were not going to. No, 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 right. No, 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 they were not going to win that series. Getting one game would have been, you know, amazing. I mean, look, let's look at what the team, the Celtics last year, when they took a game from Cleveland, who were absolutely rolling over them. The Celtics took a game in Cleveland from them. Uh, now that Cleveland team's a lot better than. Or I should say, this Warriors team is a lot better than that Cleveland team was. But I I felt like the Celtics clearly could have. I think they were a better matchup against Golden State than they were maybe even against Cleveland. As crazy as that sounds, uh, that doesn't mean they were better. And I still think you know Golden State still wins that series going away. But I think they get a game at least. They maybe might have gotten two. The point is that. It's all of this this year was really about next year, and it's about putting you know, a shadow of doubt or a little bit of doubt in Golden State's mind that hey, you know, we still got these two other guys coming at you, and we took a game from you already. Maybe it doesn't give them a whole lot of pause, given they're going to be you know winning that series in five games or six games, but it would have been nice, and I think that's really all this you know this whole season is really just about setting the stage for next year. I just felt like I was watching that series. I'm not sure if other Celtics fans felt this way or if you did, but it just felt like, yeah, this is nice, but it felt like just underwhelming, first of all, as a basketball series, despite well, whatever drama. But yeah. the Celtics, it was all of, to me, it's all about a prelude to next year. And it really, this whole season since five minutes in has almost felt like a prelude to next year. So with that in mind, would you rather have had the Celtics do what happened, right? They lose game seven, or did you, would you want them to have gone on to the finals and gotten swept in four games? Do you yeah. feel like that? And I wish game seven was a more competitive matchup, but you'd still rather have seen them get that game seven. You know, again, they really kind of wilted, right, except for Tatum's dunk on LeBron. But would you have rather had them be successful in game seven and get swept? Just just because they made it to the finals? Or do you think that maybe losing that game seven saved them a little bit of embarrassment? No, I don't think I don't think that at all. I think the more hurdles that you can cross, the closer you can get to the end, you you're getting you're gonna get that team that much closer the next time to doing it. You know, I don't think it's 
you know, with going back to the first year, Brad Stevens, you know, was here and they, they weren't good, but they were kind of spunky. And then they got the Isaiah teams and they weren't good and shouldn't even made the playoffs, but they, you know, they gave Cleveland what they had. The next year they don't do well against Atlanta, but they were clearly better. You know, it, it just felt like getting over these hurdles is just really important as a, as a product, as a, as a team that's trying to build that culture. And I thought, the more hurdles you can get through when you don't have any reason of doing them, all the better than when you actually have, you know, all of those um, weapons at your disposal. And I thought, so you get through that game seven, you teach those kids how to get over the hump, you vanquish LeBron. I think that's a lot for in terms of confidence for the team. Oh, well, it didn't yeah. happen. Yeah, well, I think it still happened. I mean, we talked about it all year. They had grit. This roster had an enormous amount of grit. So now that there's been uh, a couple of shows since the Game 7 loss, you know, I've licked my wounds. I, again, I just wish it was more of an entertaining Game 7. I wish it I wish it went down as an offensive, up-tempo, and I guess they like their chances in that half court. But a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at... at at CSL underscore tweet live, as well as your host at CSL underscore Justin. That's me. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS media network at CLNS media, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS media in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel where you will get high definition, full length locker room interviews, the Garden Report will be back next year. In the meantime, you've got the Round Table. You've got the Celtics Blog Podcast. Bobby Manning is always at work getting it done, and especially with more time with the post-game shows now out of the way for the offseason. I know we'll be seeing more and more there, and if you haven't checked out the Bobcast, make sure you do. So, John, fallout from this whole scenario with the sweep, right? Everybody is just so eager to get into the offseason. And I think once Cleveland went to the finals, they wanted it to be something big, but I think everybody deep down knew that it was just going to be really tough for that Cleveland team to compete. So everybody, I think, was so anxious to just, let's get into the silly season. Let's start dreaming it up. There's that got that billboard picture of LeBron wearing Rondo's number nine, barf. And I posted on Twitter Monday, yesterday, um, that I really could not get behind a LeBron coming to Boston for a couple of reasons. Um, one is with the way I have uh, ridiculed Ray Allen, it would be complete hypocrisy for me to welcome LeBron James with open arms coming to the enemy Celtics, especially the Celtics being the enemy uh, in several different machinations of his career, right? All three stages, Cleveland out to Miami, back to Cleveland, um, just would be a completely unacceptable move and very Ray Allen-like going in. And, and now I, I get that he just beat the Celtics, and it wasn't losing to the Celtics. And, and it, Kyrie doesn't get the same criticism because, yeah, he may have forced a trade, but um, he didn't necessarily, you know, different in the trade season than it is in free agency with Ray Allen. But then the other reason is, and I saw um, Chad Finn kind of posted this and said, don't be afraid of LeBron to the Celtics. Right. And, and he said, wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, Danny would make 
said move if he thought it was going to make his team be better. The, the loyalty is only there to a point, which is true. We saw that with Isaiah Thomas, as uh, Chad uh, astutely points out, um, after losing a sister and losing a tooth and just the just the complete uh, and total uh, difficulties that he had all through the postseason and still hanging in there and getting traded away from Boston. So with all that in mind, we know Danny's going to do what he thinks is the right thing for the team, but I'm definitely not afraid of LeBron coming here. I just kind of really don't even want him, let alone not wanting to look like a hypocrite. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so much there, really. You know, there's there's a side of it of should Boston want him, and and that's more complicated than I think a lot of people are, have made it, particularly over the weekend. You know, I mean, the yeah, idea Boston that, should want him. The 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 people well, who run no, the team. Should Go want ahead. a talented player. No, I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. They should want the best player, players on the team that they can get. Boston, the fan, so I just wanted to clarify your comment there. Boston as a fan base or Boston as an ownership group? I think, I think, I think, not even the fan base. I'm talking about the ownership group. You know, the, 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 the guys running the team. I think there's questions there. I don't think it's as simple as you take the best player and you plug him in and you make it work. LeBron James is not just your average player. He's not even a Kyrie Irving. He's, he is, he is his own, you know, and, you know, he's a merge, it's, it's merging companies. It's not, it's not like, you know, you're just like going to a team and you're going to be a good player on that team. This is, you are accepting all that comes with LeBron James. You're accepting the hangers on. You're accepting, you know, uh, Rich Paul and Mav Carter and, all the in, insane attention you're accepting the way in which he wants to run his team. He, his legacy is in some ways bigger than, or has been bigger than the teams he's been playing on. What's the history of the, of the Miami heat? What's the history of the Cleveland Cavaliers? You know, everywhere he has been, he has been outsized in his influence and, and rightly so. I mean, what, is he going to listen to the Cavs management? Is he going to listen to Dan Gilbert? Hell no, nor should he. Miami is the one, though, I look at and I say the way that that situation went and how he kept trying to get Pat Riley to, to fire Spolstra and take over. And just over, you know, when he walked away, sure, Miami wasn't in shambles, but it was definitely shook. <laughs> it was shook. You know, I don't think Boston in the condition it should they were have been in, in shambles. I mean, let's it face should have been. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I, you know, to, to what you're saying, I think that you know the influence and and the import that you have to accept when you bring on LeBron James onto your team, it's more than just a big role in running the offense. I mean, certainly everything you do, this team is about whoever's open gets the shot. It's not about give it to the guy and get him, you know, get him the ball. That's the way LeBron – I mean, yes, he'll move it, but let's be fair. We just saw the series where he just over and over, back in, back in, back in. You're going to change your whole offense, your whole philosophy to have LeBron James there. I'm not sure the Celtics kind of want that from that end, but I'm not even sure in terms of what it means to the whole franchise. The Celtics have never had a guy like that. 
And it is a cultural issue within the franchise. I think that's a bigger issue almost than yeah, the, the team fans culture. or anything else. It's, it's the team culture. It's, you know, it's kind of got a little bit of that Ubuntu kind of feel the way that Brad runs the team. You know, nobody's bigger than anybody else and we're all a unit. We live and die together, et cetera. All of that. And really Al Horford was a big piece of that. That's exactly. I, you can, I mean, I know Brad was trying to develop that, and I know that the team had players that were were like that before, but they didn't have any star players. The very first star player that they brought into this mix, you know, and I and I get Isaiah was a star for a year, but let's be real, he wasn't a star before he came. So the first star that they really brought in and didn't develop on their own is Al Horford, who embodies this whole team chemistry team culture and it's something that really does not exist very easily in the nba so you do have to think that you're making an excellent point john why would they want to mess with that the other thing i'd say is you know how do they even get him here because we've already had the debate on the last show about the lineups right so i said i want to see the same lineup that they started this season with and had for about five minutes but Kyrie brown tatum Hayward at the four and or or interchangeable with Tatum, Tatum Hayward at the three, four, and then obviously Horford at the center position. But, you know, they got to move some salary, but let's pretend LeBron winds up taking a pay cut and they don't have to move in an exorbitant salary. Let's say all options are on the table. They still got an issue with starting lineup in that scenario. Not that you don't bump somebody like, you know, Brown out of the lineup for LeBron James. Of course you, you probably do, but that, that definitely would hurt the team culture given what these players did in the absence of their stars for the last, what, 20% of the season and into the postseason. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it just, it creates a shock wave that, you know, there's going to be shock waves from reintroducing Kyrie and Gordon Hayward into this team. I mean, that, I don't think we tried to kind of talk about that in the last show. I think you start figuring out what LeBron means in terms of everyone else, not even counting the players that you have to send out to bring him in. Um, and I'm, I'm going to accept Kyrie Irving from this just in the basketball sense of who loses time, who loses space. It just, you know, look, no doubt it makes the Celtics more likely to win a championship in 2019. I don't think there's a question in my mind that if they added LeBron James for one of those star players on the team, that they were, they'd be a better team and one more likely to win the championship. Not only because they don't have any competition in the East, but also they're better, you know, but the window how do you goes, do it? goes from this to this. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's the window the shortens, you lose your talent. That's why it's players like, you know, Davis, you know, when you hear the trade rumors, it's for somebody who, you know, plays a position in need, who's an all-star talent, who's still young. That's really the rumors that get connected to this team because of that, what you just said, shortens the window. They, I think they want to build something that's really going to last, something that, you know, can last underneath the cap, something that's replicatable with, you know, drafting players. I think that Danny will move key pieces along the line here to get additional draft picks so that they has that resurgence of talent year after year to some degree. But really, I mean, again, I'm going to go back to the Chad Finn article with the globe, but you know, he kind of says, and he, and he said 
you know, that whole thing about look at what Danny's willing to do. And he kind of made the uh, point of it's probably Hayward that goes out, which just seems crazy given the relationship with Brad Stevens and the fact that they never really got a chance to do that experiment. But, you know, ultimately his salary would match up with something LeBron might want to see for the next two years. And then, you know, you've gotten a little bit older. You, you've gotten better. Um, and again, I'm completely against this, but you've gotten older, but you've gotten better. You definitely have a player who can close games. It's going to get calls, um, especially down the stretch. So there's some big benefits there. Um, but ultimately, you do kind of mortgage the future, like you said, because then you've got, you know, LeBron probably for two years, maybe nothing after that. And Hayward's gone. And we just signed Hayward and would be able to keep him for a lengthy period of time. Now you keep Brown and Tatum. You know, maybe there's a way to do that sign and trade and cut a little salary. And it helps you keep Marcus Smart depending on what he gets as a restricted free agent. But, you know, I, I don't see them moving Kyrie for LeBron. And so that really and, – and maybe it's Horford. But don't but, they? But, no, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. You think- I was just saying, but don't they have to remove Kyrie for him? I mean, that's the that's the thing. I mean, look, we we brought in Kyrie to be the new centerpiece, right? Forgetting for the fact that we we think Jason Tatum is our Lord and Savior, you know, I think that uh, you know Kyrie Irving was the guy brought in. He was the guy who was the new face of the franchise, the new centerpiece, the new guy that you're building around. Around, and uh, though there are some I think out there that still say maybe he's not a good enough player to bring me to the promised land. Um, let's, let's put that aside and just say he came here because he was running away from LeBron James. He was running away from being, you know, he didn't want to be sunned by him. He didn't want to be his little brother anymore. And I don't blame him. He wanted to get away from it. You bring LeBron James here is first of all, never mind the Kyrie wanting to leave rumors, which we'll talk about later, but how do you, I don't think the Celtics, I don't think they can bring in LeBron and not send out Kyrie in return. And and how much further ahead does that put you? Well, if you're going to do that, then you're basically sending Kyrie back to the Cavaliers, which is a near impossibility. So now you're talking about a three-way trade as well. And then you get the whole awkwardness, like if they don't trade Kyrie, we're basically Cleveland and Boston with some younger pieces and a little bit more depth. But why do we really want to recreate that? Yeah, well, I mean, look, they were good. I mean, that was a good team last year. I mean, they they couldn't defend, you know, not to save their life, but they were good. They were a good team. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I think it's I think it's problematic. I just think there's, in terms of situation, it probably is the most plug and play for LeBron. But I think in terms of what it means to the franchise, and then from his perspective. That Boston has been the obstacle. I mean, I think you could even argue it's been more than Golden State. I mean, you go back to 2007. You go back to 2003. His uh, first historically, game, right? Historically, his first game. He and he and Pierce. You know, Pierce spitting towards the bench and like. I mean, that's 2003, man. That's like 15 years ago. His stuff with Boston started, and you want to go to 08, and you want to go, you know, in the big game there, and you want to talk about 10 and him getting basically kicked out of Cleveland by the Celtics, you know, reasserting themselves. And then, of course, all the stuff with the Heat, the Celtics, and even now, three of the last four years facing the Cavs in, in the playoffs. Boston is his biggest nemesis, and he's gotten Boston more than Boston's gotten him. But 
to come here to play. It's just, I think mentally there's a headspace you got to get into. I'm not sure he can get there. Yeah. I'm not sure that the team wants to gamble on the fans either because it's such a mixed 50 50. I will be honest with you. We'll close it and just see how it evolves over the next couple of weeks. I would have a really hard time getting behind this team and really rooting for them if LeBron James was on the team. And it's, and it's purely an emotional thing. You know what I mean? But I would tell you that if they won the championship next year, it would definitely feel less sweet if LeBron James wasn't somewhere along the way in our path. You know, he's almost so perfect of a, of a, of a foil for everything to your point back to 2003. I mean, think about it. You know, since you and I started doing this show, LeBron James has been the enemy. And uh, to try to flip that, no matter how much older and more mature and how much more clearly I see the world, you know, no, that's all a lie. I haven't changed a bit. But I will tell you, I haven't changed so much that I definitely don't want LeBron on my team. We had to have a family meeting this past Friday when the rumors were starting to get a little bit more real. And I had oh, to did say, the boys Look. lose it? You had, you got, listen, I'll tell you who lost it worse was my wife. She was like, what? I can't root for him. That's crazy. Like she was, they were, they were, it's wild. It's really wild. It like disrupts your torn, family. Shockwaves. Families are being torn apart over this, folks. <laughs> wow. That's it. Yeah. Yep. I, you know, it's just, you can't make it up. And the thing is, is everyone's starting to like this Celtics team, you know, and I think that's what makes it difficult. If they were, you know, last year's team, it's a little bit easier maybe to, to make that jump. But when you've been through what the Celtics did this year, and so many of the young players they've drafted come through and you, and you get Kyrie Irving, you get Gordon Hayward. Like it feels like they're just so much closer to where they need to be. And of course, maybe that's why, you know, LeBron is even looking in their direction. But it's interesting. And the other thing is the timing. The timing of this is really interesting because if he's going to look at Boston, he's got to opt into the contract because they're, they're, they can't get him as a free agent more than likely uh, unless he's going to sign and trade, and that seems weird. So if he's going to opt in, this is something that's probably going to come together a lot sooner than later. Um, maybe he will opt out, and, and maybe he'll take meetings and, and try to do a sign and trade. Uh, but that just – uh, he loses a little bit of control. He has a lot more control if he's, you know, he's basically opted into his contract. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, we'll talk about Kyrie Irving in just a minute, and then we'll talk about the draft. And you know, considering maybe we can we can sprinkle some Grayson Allen into your life, John, so that um, you can <laughs> uh, reverse the shock waves that LeBron created, and and go. Maybe there's two Dukies. Two years in a row drafted by the Celtics. But we'll, we'll tease that for the second half of the show. First, if you wear contacts, then you know how annoying it is to have to get a prescription year after year just to be able to buy more contacts. Simple Contacts is changing all of that by using technology to make renewing your prescription and buying contacts, well, super simple. And here's how it works. Using your phone or computer, you can take the Simple Contacts vision test in five minutes, literally from anywhere, and then a real doctor will review your test results in 24 hours and writes you a new prescription. Boom. A fresh supply of brand new contact lenses on the way to your door. No more appointments, no more waiting rooms, no more overpaying. Simple Contacts brings a doctor's office 
to you wherever you are, whenever you need it. And me personally, I am constantly traveling for work, so this is super convenient. I can barely schedule a haircut, let alone a vision test while I'm traveling all over the place. So this made it easy. I got my contacts in just a couple of days, and the prices are unbeatable. They have all your common prescriptions. They're getting the prescriptions just $20, and those contact lens prices are very competitive. Shipping is free. And best of all, our list get $30 off their first Simple Contacts order. So to save $30 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash CSL18 or enter the code CSL18 at the checkout. And I do have to mention that this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need those occasionally, but it is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't changed. Again, check out Simple Contacts and get $30 off by going to simplecontacts.com slash CSL18 or just enter the code CSL18 at checkout. Give it a try and thank me later. Listen up, fellas. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35 and choose not to do anything about it until it's too late. However, it's way easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. So have you started to notice that receding hairline? Or maybe you're like me and your son finally spoiled the secret that you couldn't see on your own. That's right. The bald spot hiding in the back. Why is it that we do nothing when we can turn to science? And here's your chance. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today. Right now, all supplies last. See website for full details. Go to 4 slash CSL2017. This would cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or pharmacy. That's 4 slash CSL2017. We are definitely talking about all kinds of Cleveland-related people. We've already spent the first half of the show talking about LeBron, and we've only had Kyrie in a Celtics uniform for a year, not even 82 games. And we're going to spend majority of the second half of the show on Kyrie and sort of this media... Uh, I don't want to say staged media, but it's loose. This media reports or spin, I should say, media spin on Kyrie Irving and the contract status and just creating some drama there where, quite honestly, John, I'm not sure that it exists. The whole New York rumors see old, seem old and outdated to me. And uh, truthfully, I think if Kyrie thinks he can win a championship and he's happy with the team, he's happy with Brad, and they continue to advance, he'd be an idiot to leave. And I don't think he would. And I don't think it's all about money. I think he was sincere. Maybe not so much about the flat earth stuff, but I think he was very sincere about wanting to come to a winning culture, share and grow his basketball prowess to another level. And frankly, he did an awesome job for most of the beginning of the year until they were having a hard time finding a go-to player which may now have emerged in Jason Tatum they sure did I yeah no I he's he did start off well and there's nothing that's led me to believe that he's looking elsewhere wanting to go elsewhere doesn't doesn't find interest in being in Boston anymore I mean I feel like a lot of that stuff has been over overblown certainly (laughs) you know it started with the Gorman Talk on the, you know, when he was on Toucher and Rich, I think, or no, I'm sorry. Um, he was on, it was on one of the, anyway, he had the interview where, um, you know, he was talking about, oh, Evan Valenti, I think on, on Celtics beat perhaps. Anyway, he said, you know, basically, I, I don't think there's anything 
you know, there's set that he's set to be here or that, you know, there's and nothing's certain, which we know with Danny Ainge after last certain at last summer, certainly that isn't the case, but you know, you put that in, you know, you pair that with the, the, the Mannix, uh, Chris Mannix's piece where he says, you know, Celtics are scared. They'll lose him to New York. And then, which is interesting was, for Mannix, right? Because Mannix knows people in the front office, spent a lot of right. time around this organization. You see him on CSNNE all the time and he's not really a fibber. He's not somebody who makes up you know, content, but yet he's riding this train. And I think that might be what's giving it so many, so much legs. Well, I think so. I think it's also, it's that time of year where, you know, now what's going to happen with Boston and Boston's the hot name, right? What's going to, what's going to happen with Boston and pair that with the stuff we talked about earlier with LeBron. And it's like, okay, well, you know, what, what might happen and, and anything that gets the New York media going and the New York, you know, fans going about, Oh, we could get that star. And we all know that they have this weird fixation, fascination with, with point guards, especially New York area point guards as Kyrie was growing up in Jersey. It's like it's tailor made for clickbait, you know. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think it's crazy. I think it's 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 not a non story because they know we know Boston will move anybody at any time. But why trade him? Why why? Well, you got Terry Rozier for the Knicks. You know that's yeah, just not going to happen. We don't need him, right? We've got Terry Rozier. See, that's that's what, <laughs> so that happened. Just so you know, you talked about yeah. your family this weekend. So this was the story that sent a rift through my the the male side of my family, uh, my dad Uh-oh. and my son dad and head. me. And Dadhead, you know, in true Dadhead fashion, is like, no, he's like he's already casting Kyrie aside, and he wants he wants Rozier. He's like Ro- oh, Rozier's boy. got the better rebounds. Rozier's, you know, this is and, was, and and we did go to the Super Bowl day game. Uh, where Rozier hit a huge shot down the stretch before right. Al Horford winds up winning it against the Trailblazers. A fantastic game, and Terry really did shine. And that game, even though Kyrie wasn't done yet, really was the playoff Celtics that was out on that floor that won, that beat the Trailblazers that afternoon. So it was really, it's exciting, and I see where the dad head's coming from, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, his, I see where he's coming from because he always came from this place. Remember the uh, the Rondo hate. You remember I, Rondo hate. I have not forgotten. I've not forgotten it at all. Dadhead and I were on opposite sides of that one. I think <laughs> you were definitely on opposite sides of that one. But so so I I really don't think he's going anywhere. Despite what my dad wants to see happen, my son flipped the lid. Like he actually opened up his phone and created some notes, and he wants to rub it in my dad's face. Like five years from now, like there was serious record keeping <laughs> going on during this debate. It was absolutely hilarious. But so anyway, I, but I, I do think it's mostly manufactured. Do, do I think that the team is concerned? Of course they are, you know, and, and maybe some of this is just getting leaked out because they want to put some pressure on the conversation with Kyrie on an extension. The problem is it just can make so much more money if he waits it out, which means he's going to wait it out, which means Anybody should be nervous when the player that you're trying to build your franchise around is going to go entertain other offers. And, you know, you watch LeBron do it. N- nobody's safe. And truthfully, the other thing is Irving really doesn't have a lot of tenure by the time he hits that stage. Right? So 
he hasn't been here that long. I don't know that the loyalty's been fully will be fully developed at that point. Hopefully, it will to his teammates, right? But all it takes is a couple of his favorite guys to not be able to make the roster crunch financially. We don't know who he's close to on this with this roster, right? So sometimes that's all it takes. A couple of his favorite guys walk out the door, and it's not the same place, and you hit free agency, and the next thing you know, you're going somewhere else too. Well, it's a year, right? I mean, that's the, the you know, what's going to happen over this next year, you know? And it seems like he and Jalen have a bit of a, have a bit of a thing going. And I think, you know, Tatum and he certainly with the Duke connections and, you know, I, I don't think that the Celtics are going to have to make a lot of decisions on either of those guys. So I, I guess in that, in that case, they're in good position to, to not, push him away but I think he looks at himself as I'm the, the centerpiece the, the, the hard thing though is we're trying to get in the psychology of him right like that's the we're talking about a guy who just spent you know 30 minutes on the phone with Soap on Deb of the New York Times talking about Flat Earth and why he it's not that he believes it but he wants to talk about it so people are talking definitely about it definitely makes you think he's unpredictable That's you're sure. not yeah I mean he just and he, you know he walked away from LeBron and, and you know of course conventional wisdom is that you don't walk away from you know playing with the best player in the world but I think everyone who saw that a little bit deeper saw you know he was he didn't want to be the little brother anymore that's pretty clear I don't think that's a difficult thing to understand and yet you know, I think, you know, maybe that was misunderstood by a lot of people. This, I think, is a little bit harder because he does. He has 30 teams that he could pick and choose from. And uh, next year, there will be more money available. I just don't think you leave a really good situation with you know, really everything perfectly set up around you like that. It just doesn't make – this isn't goal. This is get Max City money, and Durant. Right. You if, know? You, if you can get max money in rings, that's where you want to be. And, and truthfully – all we've heard is the amazing fan base in Boston. So who doesn't want to play in front of that? I think as long as the Celtics give him the money he's looking for and don't ask him to take a haircut, he'll be fine. If they want him to take a haircut just because they're trying to keep the band together, I don't think agents and players really respond very well to that, especially that early in their career, especially a guy with knee injuries and a history there that may say the window for those championships and making that money is short. You know, it's going to be hard for Kyrie Irving to view himself in that invincible young mode where, ah, if it doesn't work out, I've got the rest of my career, you know what I mean, like to uh, to get my money, to get my paycheck. I'll get my rings now. Um, and it usually works the other way around, right? Pay cut later, not pay cut earlier. So get your money, then chase the rings. That's how it works. And it's probably not going to be any different here. So as long as they pay him, I think they keep him. I do want to move on to the draft because we only got about five or six minutes left in the show. But Grayson Allen comes in, does a workout, typic, you know, so, so stereotypically an Ainge guy, right? And so, but here is the thing. He's really, I mean, when you, when you look at the Duke players of past, he's kind of the JJ Reddick, right? Role. He can shoot from the outside. He's a little bit better defender, a little bit more athletic. He killed the combine, especially when it comes to, to leaping, which is really funny for 
a guy who's so gifted athletically to spend the full four years, hit the senior year in college, and then go into the draft, this is kind of a rare one. Usually that guy is a sound baller, but not very gifted athletically. Usually the athletes go earlier. So that's what makes this one so funny. He's getting dra- – if the Celtics take him, they're taking him at number 27, which I believe will be his official age when when they draft him. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see that, they got to pick him at 27. I'm like, what, 27 years old? It's just funny. When's the last time you had kind of that highly touted player? So, wait, again, gifted athlete and can shoot. What the hell is the issue here? Why didn't he go? Why wouldn't he go higher in the draft? And why didn't he go earlier seasons? Nobody would know better than you. So he's 22. Okay. So let's just look, clear that up right there. And then, uh, that makes him older than Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, so he would be on the old side, um, <laughs> as a rookie. He could have come out after his rookie year, uh, his, his freshman year. Um, uh, they won, uh, that was the year they won the championship. Um, they were a really talented team. He was a guy who was a really key player for them in, in that run and, and made some big baskets. I think he had 20 in the championship game. Um, I think the issue for him, athletically, he's gifted. Uh, he can shoot a little bit. I, I don't, JJ Redick really isn't the comp I would put him as, uh, or compare him to. Uh, he's, somebody asked me today who was his comp. I mean, I think good J.R. Smith, <laughs> uh, Will Barton, um, he's, he's a guy who can do everything. He can rebound a little bit. He can pass a little bit. He can shoot a little bit. He's athletic enough. So it's not like, yeah, you can do a little bit, but he's not great in any one area. I mean, he's got, that kind of ability. Um, but he's not like a great shooter. I mean, he's a good shooter, but not a great shooter. Uh, he's a little streaky. The biggest issue is his head. And that's, I think, you know, you can point to the tripping incidents. You can point to, uh, the, the issues, uh, you know, he had in terms of, um, I don't know, I guess off the court type stuff, not the bad character guy, but being too competitive. Sound like an age guy. Uh, but I think he also had an outsized role. I think he, he thought he was the finisher. And on a team that didn't have a point guard this year, this year, uh, Duke didn't, the last two years really, he was asked to do a lot more than he should have been doing, uh, with, with, in terms of ball handling. He can do a little bit of that, but if you put him next to a point guard, he's going to be a lot more effective. You know, screen, you know, running cuts, uh, spotting up, driving closeouts. As as a role player, he could be really valuable here. The problem you really is really don't think he's players. a good shooter, though. I mean, I just no. he took seven and a half three pointers per game and shot thirty seven percent. You know, his sophomore year yeah. he shot over forty percent. And I get it; it's not the NBA three point line, right. but is it? Do you feel like so with the comparison to Redick? Do you think the difference is, is that Reddick's just way better off the catch and shoot? Like he gets, is it the, oh. how quickly he gets into his shot is no. the issue at the NBA? Reddick is, is a phenomenal shooter. I mean, phenomenal. Um, he's not that, he's just not that guy. He's, he's not of that caliber. You know, if I'm, if I'm ranking like shooters, I'm putting like Reddick, Corver, um, you know, that, that type of, you know, almost specialist, you know, Grace now it isn't a specialist. He can do a lot of things. He can create off the bounce. He can he can drive the hole. He can he can drive closeouts. Uh, he can play make a little bit. He has more skills 
more varied skills. He doesn't have one singular great skill. I don't think he's a singularly great shooter. I think he can shoot. You know what I mean? You you understand what I'm saying? Like, he's a B plus. He's not an A. You know, still, you want the guy who can, he's, he can knock down. He can hit those shots if he's open, but he's not an A shooter. You know, you're not going to build your offense as him as a key part of it. But if he's your second, if he's your first guard off the bench or, uh, maybe a, a shooting guard, you know, your starting shooting guard is your, maybe your fifth best starter, you can be okay. You, you, you can make a career with that, you know, and I think he'll be fine. It's, it's about this. It's about what's between the ears. That's going to be his issue. Can Grayson Allen lock in? Stop making stupid situations. He shot Duke out of, out of the NCAA tournament. He shot Duke out of, uh, the ACC tournament. Uh, there, you know, he just was taking bad shots instead of go using the situation. Is that where Brad example. kind of does an Evan turn well, with this guy? Dude, you know what I mean? We, we talked about this about game seven, right? What happened there? You had Rozier and Jalen and they're working the ball on this side <laughs> when Somebody needed to be moving the ball over the right side and get the ball to Tatum and Horford. Allen hasn't figured that out. He hasn't figured out the right basketball play. He's been figuring out what his play is. And I'm not saying he's selfish, but just understanding situation, understanding, you know, who the ball needs to go to. He just, he hasn't, his, his intellect hasn't picked up to it. I don't care if you've been at Duke. I don't uh, care where you've been. so funny. You gotta this, know those. Cause here you are. Usually by this point in time, you're just pumping up all the Duke guys there, but maybe you're reserving that for, for Wendell Carter. But if you can, <laughs> if you yes. can believe it, we've run out of time already and we haven't even gotten to the other two much more highly ranked, uh, Duke players. Although we did talk about Wendell Carter last time. We just didn't have a chance to talk much about Marvin Bagley, who seems to be sprinkled all over that top seven or eight picks depending on which mock draft you're looking at. So the draft is only nine days away. We're going to have one more show. It looks like we probably will be doing a draft night show. More info to follow on that. But that is going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app as well. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you for everybody tuning in today. And remember that you can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.